blowout. That's what Wall Street analysts are calling the September jobs report. At 366,000 new jobs created in the U.S. economy, then looking at an August revision of another 155,000. This is a roaring market. We saw this. We saw the stock market actually had a knee-jerk reaction because everybody thought the Fed would continue to hike rates, so they sold off. Then we had a complete reversal. But our guest today actually thinks that the consumer is driving this growth in equities, and she's actually optimistic, cautiously optimistic for the fourth quarter. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Warm. It's warm. It's warm outside. It looks nice and sunny, though, I'll tell you that. And our featured guest today is Lindsay Bell. She is the chief strategist at 248 Ventures down in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the program, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we had to turn to you. We know that we had to get an optimistic feel. We had a couple of guests on this week that I would say are a little bit on the pessimistic side. A little we bit. We want to go into the long weekend thinking things are looking up. And uh, so who else to turn to but Pittsburgh's finest? I know you're down in Charlotte, but you are a Pittsburgh girl. But Lindsay, what was the turnaround all about today? Yeah, you know, a lot of people were, I think there were a lot of things at play here. I think a lot of people initially pointed to the wage number, which was a little bit lighter than expected. That's a good sign, obviously, for when you're thinking about what's going to happen with inflation. It also means that maybe the Fed could potentially be done. Uh, but I think there was more to it than that. I think that this was like, this was a good jobs report, okay? This was where supply, which which has been weak, is actually starting to catch up with the demand that has been really strong by corporations. So I think you're starting to see that kind of balance each other out, which is a good thing. But the other question that I have is a lot of the a lot of the bears I think in the market right now are talking about the the yield curve, the 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 ten year yield. We're seeing a bear steepening, as they call that, as the ten year yield rises faster mm -hmm. than the two year yield. And a lot of people are worried that that is because of the supply of treasuries coming into the market rather than strong economic growth. Those are two very different things. And I think today's jobs report really showed that the economy is strong, but maybe not too strong. Like I said, supply catching up with demand in the jobs market and inflation, at least from a wage perspective, is, is remaining under control. So I think I think that yields backed off, backed off and that allowed the stock market to, to rally into the end of the day. Todd, I'd also add a couple of things. I mean, technically, it's very interesting today. So one of the things that we follow is just trade size. And trade size was saying that it was retail people who were selling, not and 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 we had people who essentially this was like the capitulative uh, day where you know yesterday uh, you had big units selling, uh, and I would call this the exhaustion type of bottom where everybody who had to sell who was getting a margin call was you know so on and so forth. That happened by about eleven o'clock. Yesterday it deteriorated simply because it's simpler to say, hey, you know what? We're going to have a over 5% interest rate on the 10-year. By Rick Santelli was saying on CNBC, 13%. I just sent him a text. And I said, Rick, are you drinking again? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was so a wild prediction. I that saw was, I mean, and, you know, he was using like te technical analysis. I said, well, that looks like a Viagra chart, Rick. That doesn't look like an actual chart. But be that as it may, he is, uh, you know, people, he's on all day. He's on in every trading room I've ever been in. And when he comes out with 13% number, that that's, but it was, it was at exhaustion sale. Does that change any of the macro? No. What's confusing, I think, for everybody, probably not Lindsay, but everybody else, you know, not from Pittsburgh, 
is that everything that used to be in a playbook is now idiosyncratic. There, the playbook never had any of this stuff before. The playbook never had, you're going to have quanti quantitative tightening. Does anybody talk about that? That's $95 billion a month. But it's, it's and no one's ever quantified it and the fact that it's being sold. When, when 10 years went up, the market was putting the 10 years up, not the Fed. And that was a supply-demand imbalance, right? There was you know, too much supply coming out over the last three days on QT and, and, and other side. And then the other thing that came really out, Todd, was that I don't think a lot of people know, unless you work like Lindsay and I do with pension plans, actual big pension plans, their bond portfolios on average are down uh, 48%. That was in Bloomberg yesterday. And if you're down 48%, I used to sell bonds, but I love bonds. That's how I started. But if you're down 48% in your bond portfolio in terms of valuation, yeah, then you, you've got multiple problems. I mean, you're going to hold them till you know the fruition, right? You're going to hold them till they they get redeemed. But now now you can, you're going to need to do something to rebuild valuation, and so that makes a case for the, the magnificent seven. Which I'll end it with this: everything that we trade, everything that we look at, everything we measure is the new life raft which used to be utilities, <clears throat> that's gone. The new yeah. life raft used to be consumer staples, <clears throat> that's down. I love the fact that, you know, that vitamin V is what's getting every people to eat at 50% less. So therefore now, you know, they're not snacking. And so the safest port in the storm are the 10 tech companies that have $750 billion of cash that at four and a half, five percent 5% are spending, spending off three to $4 billion a month for doing nothing. That's the safe trade. Yeah, yeah, you have, I have to agree with you. And, you know, we do have a critical earnings period that kicks off next week. You mentioned the tech side. Uh, Tesla will start on Wednesday the 18th with their earnings report. And then the following week, you have Apple and Microsoft. It'll be interesting to see if that is going to be the octane that pushes things forward. You know, Lindsay, one thing that we we have been, uh, we had Jeffrey Hirsch, who is the editor-in-chief of Stock Traders Almanac, and then Sam Stovall, who is the chief market strategist over at CFRA. And both of them really have been spot on with this. They actually said August and September, we will have some downside pressure. Yeah, and the, yeah right. And in the fourth quarter, we should see things really kick off. And actually, Jeff went out to say that we should see the higher highs by the end of December. He's actually very just predicting either the second the he said the last trading day or the second to last trading day, we'll see the highs of the year. Where's your stance, though? Because you mentioned uh, when we were talking off camera that the consumer might be a bit stretched. You are a big fan of the consumer, as everyone knows. But do you think that going forward, the consumer is going to have enough octane, at least going into this holiday shopping season? I do think they're going to have enough octane going into the holiday shopping season. And Sam's an old pal of mine. I used to work with Sam yep. very closely. So, um, you know, I worked with his dad. That's how old I am. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. I never Bob got Stilmore. to meet Robert, but I heard Robert, all the yes. good stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, the seasonality thing is not voodoo. It's for real, but it, yeah. it, there's a lot of data and history behind it. And October starts to get better than November, December, even better than that. And I do think that the consumer, while they are beginning to feel a little bit stretched as stimulus money starts to disappear and, you know, student loans and other other obligations come back online, um, I I think that they are, as long as they have jobs, that is like the key for any recession, right? As long as 
people have jobs and they're getting paid and real real wages are finally increasing. And like I said, you're starting to see more people jump back into the jobs market, I think because of that stimulus that is that is waning. But you can't ignore the delinquency rates for credit cards and auto loans are increasing. If you look at household debt as a percent of, of income, that is still, it, it has it has come back up to pre-pandemic levels. You want to keep an eye on it to make sure it doesn't go up significantly more. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are really high. Um, it has become more difficult to, to access credit. So these are all real things. But I do think the consumer, you saw in the back to school shopping season, the consumer who hasn't been purchasing goods, they've been spending all their money on, on services and experiences. They opened their wallets during back to school season if there was something exciting to buy. Also, they weren't hesitant to spend on their children. And I think you're going to see the same this holiday season. The only question I think for retailers is, are they going to have the exciting merchandise for to sell to their consumers because I think so many of these retailers have been downbeat. Their their businesses have been very, very weak. You look at the retail stocks, they they look terrible. Yeah. Um, for a almost uninvestable. But I do think that it could be a good holiday season. I think there'll be some discounts, but I don't think they'll be significant because I don't think they're going to have a lot of product. And I just think the consumer wants to feel good and wants to spend this holiday season. The beginning of the year, though, I think the consumer is going to be put to the test if economic activity, which I, you know, we're seeing good um, green shoots in many different areas. Like I think manufacturing is turning up. The housing market seems to be turning up. Um, we've seen rolling recoveries all over the place. Manufacturing, in fact, was a bright spot within yeah. the jobs report today. So I, I think there's good reason for, for a rally into the end of the year, in addition to fundamentally related and seasonally related. Yeah, you know, Lindsay, I, I optimistic, Toby. I, yeah, I, I, Joe Biden's going to say it's Bidenomics. Do you agree with the president? Don't don't do that political shit with me, pal. All right. Now, the issue I've always been harping on over the last year has been, you know, it's still 20 percent of the, the highest 20 percent of the households by income account for 76 percent. Of discretionary spending the upper 20 percent is doing just fine and now that you know the stocks took a run for a couple of years maybe they're down 10 percent accepted so there's but but there's a, there's no unwealth effect as we had you know in the past number two i guarantee you everybody i know with kids is buying their kids really great stuff so they'll leave the freaking house go to school go to football practice stay the f away from me because i'm working at home now and I, I, that to me is just a guilt thing. And number two, we got the Taylor and Beyonce economy. Um, yeah, they've got movies coming out too. They, 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 they got do. movies coming out. The movie theaters. And I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it, when 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 two people move the actual GDP of some cities 14 percent in in the Greater Phoenix area here, that Taylor Swift four days moved the needle eight and a half percent. I don't know. I don't, and I don't think they're even counting selling drugs because that could have been another four percent. Okay, but it's it uh, the economy as consumer is strong because the top twenty or twenty five percent are strong and they're not coming back. Everybody's done their European, you know, vacation. All I do is get texts from friends saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe you could have forty million people in Venice today," but, but we must. Because everybody, you know, that, that stuff's going on. Now we're going back to sort of the spending of stuff that we didn't buy during the pandemic. Um, and my other uh, note, Lindsay, always is that I don't think people quite realize the United States, 96 million uh, people in those households is at least getting one pension, one Social Security a check. 
Uh, that's government, that's federal, that's corporate, et cetera. But those checks come every month. They never stopped. Uh, and I, I, I know people who cut their cost of living and, you know, are now like 75. And they're making more money now from their pensions and their Social Security than they ever were from working. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you, got- so, you know, that's why we're resilient. It's, it's, it's not a magical thing. It's yeah. that there's more money going into the economy than it's going out of the economy in spending. And and maybe it's evened up. But but try to get a reservation tonight in Scottsdale. We're, we're going to a uh, to a uh, pre-dinner thing. We have to be there at three thirty to get in. Oh, early bird. Early. Well, that's yeah. your, no, your it's not even early bird. bird. It's not that it's 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 happy hour. OK, we don't do early <laughs> bird. Hour. That's Seinfeld. That's Florida. <laughs> Very good. Then. So, and also, I, if I understand you correctly, it's not Bidenomics, it's Taylornomics. That's what's really pushing That's this exactly thing. Correct. Taylornomics it is. So listen, let's leave it there on this block, because coming up after the break, we're going to ask where we got to ask Lindsay about some specific sectors we want to talk about, maybe some areas to stay away from, some areas to concentrate on, especially going into the, the new year, because we want to know if that consumer, if they are under pressure, what's actually going to look uh, look good for, for Wall Street. But we'll get into that after the break. And with us today, we have Lindsay Bell. She's a chief strategist over at 248 Ventures down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we also have to talk about the Ravens-Steelers game coming up, because Lindsay is from Pittsburgh. But we'll get into all of that after the break. Please stay Do you really me. want that brain damage? Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts, or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. 
Hey, this is Jeff Hurst, Editor-in-Chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. You got to listen to Todd and Toby on Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, Blockbuster Jobs Report came out, and we actually saw Wall Street traders start selling, but we had things turn around. We saw a complete 180. All the major averages were up. Actually, yeah, I think the Dow was only up on, I think, what, 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 yeah. nine tenths of one percent, I think, Toby. But overall, yeah. Nasdaq was up big, S and P 500 was big, up big, and we haven't seen gains like that actually since late August. So it was a nice uh, optimistic turnaround, and um, and we think uh, hopefully it's the start of some good things to come for the fourth quarter. With us today on Buy Hold Sell, we have Lindsay Bell. She is the chief strategist over at 248 Ventures. And Lindsay, when we left off at the last block, we were talking about. Really, a lot of the good things that are happening with the economy that probably get uh, tossed away because the bears actually have had the run over the last, what, six, seven weeks or so. But what about for this earnings season? Are there any specific sectors that you're that you have your eye on that you think might be uh, poised for a breakout? Yeah. So this earnings season, the third quarter, we're expected to see the fourth quarter in a row of earnings declines. Um, the estimate right down right now, the consensus estimate is for a decline of 1.2%. That's from S&P. Um, and usually it's it's pretty typical, you know, analysts set the bar low and then the companies come in and beat. And it's very likely that we could see a positive earnings growth quarter. Um, as far as sectors go, what I like to do is because I've been looking at earn, sector earnings for a really long time. Like I said, I worked with, with Sam at S&P Capital IQ, and that was kind of like my thing yeah. over there. So when I look at, at the sector earnings, I like to look at, at how the numbers have been moving since the beginning of last quarter. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about how the second half numbers have been moving higher. They've moved higher slightly, but the, the third quarter, we're kind of flat with where we were um, at the beginning of the quarter. Again, like I said, numbers went up, but they, they come back down it's the closer you get to earnings because we like to make that bar nice and low, right? But what I've noticed is, is that, um, you know, the, the sectors that are seeing estimates increase is consumer discretionary. Of course, Tesla is in that number. Of course, yeah. Amazon is in that number. They account for a big amount of that. Um, but what, the sectors that I find the most interesting is the ones where the numbers are being cut substantially. And industrials is one of those sectors. And I know that the sentiment around the industrial sector right now is super negative. Um, obviously, higher interest rates, not good for the sector. Um, and, you know, the manufacturing drag and weakness in Europe and China, although Germany data this morning, the manufacturing data is finally starting to look like it's turned around a grand yeah. month. I don't know if it's a trend. Yeah, um, one, one time is not a trend, but yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So we'll see. Right. Um, but we do have the policy benefits. You talked about Biden, uh, Bidenomics. So there is money coming in into uh, what will be the manufacturing sector. Um, you're seeing construction spending that, that is ticking up. And it, manufacturing within the construction spending number was up 65% in August. So it's coming off of really low levels. And the ISM numbers, you know, that's another indicator of the health of the sector. It's they're still in contra contra contraction, contraction. Excuse me. Easy for you to say, Lindsay. <laughs> right, exactly. It's still in contraction, under fifty, but it's moving up, and it's been, you know, it's thirty-one months off of its peak. So it's about time for the sector to start turn around, turning around. Industrial production is improving. I think there's opportunity within this sector. The numbers have been cut. The sector is underperformed in the since the end of July. It's down 10%. The S&P 500 is down 
8%. So I just, the valuation levels have come down. So I just think there might be opportunity, an opportunity for this sector to beat the estimate. So when sentiment's this dour, I just, you know, I don't know that the manufacturing sector is going to be completely better here in the next couple months, but I think there's- yeah, Well, the, the part of the manufacturing sector that I, that I was, cap, uh, Capital On was impressed with, was because of the IRA Act, because of the knock-on effects of, you know, 800 billion here, 800 billion there, you know, starts to add up. And then lending-wise, the ESG lenders were just going cray-cray. Well, that money just dried up. Uh, and if, you know, for yeah. instance, if you look at, uh, you know, sun power, for, you know, for instance, but you look at any of the solar power plays, um, you know, they mostly got crushed simply because, A, they changed the rules in California uh, on their tax credits. And then, B, it just became friggin' more ex so expensive that stuff doesn't uh, pencil out. I, my advisory firm, we represent a company that's raising $220 million to build carbon capture uh, on utilities. It's an amazing thing. It's about a 50% cash flow business. And I had like $75 million of stuff lined up that, that, that did not go through to, you know, this week. Uh, because they had to recalibrate what they think their cost of funds was, was going to be. So, so you know, we have ceilings and we have floors here, and that we're sort of in this channel of economic activity. The, the, the floor is not falling out for all the obvious reasons. The ceiling is is limited uh, somewhat. I, the ones that have blown me away, Todd, I mean, wait a minute. Ozembic made, you know, catch-up sales go down 8% and Twinkies. And, you know, Twinkie just sold for, for like half of what it sold for in private equity a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many people are on Ozempic, but, man, that's a shit ton of people that aren't, aren't buying Doritos or, you know, Coca-Cola, <laughs> Heinz. And that was yeah. the most intriguing uh, numbers I've seen. And and they're getting that data very, you know, they get the data 24 by 7. So, yeah. So yeah, taking the Ozempic economy away from the normal economy and the Taylor Beyonce economy, you know, I, what 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 we're seeing is in the United States, it's a pain in the ass to travel. And because you're in the office three days a week, not five, you're seeing a real downturn. And that's why you saw these downturns in these domestic airlines. And the reverse is uh, I have three people flying in today to uh, Phoenix. We're going to stay over. And then they're flying down to Rio de Janeiro. And one's, one's going to um, Africa and one's going to China. You know, they're spending like drunk sailors for crying out loud. So that's the bifurcation. I mean, the fancy word is the bifurcation here. Um, and the trends, um, you have to really, in my mind, we have to really go through these trends and look at all the ingredients in the trends. Because I do think that the, these these changes in the huge changes in the uh, job numbers, like three months in a row, that means something's effed up. I mean, you don't get you know, you don't get that big a, a, a you know change. Um, so blah, blah, blah. Guess what? The sector that's winning is the sector that doesn't need to borrow, has subscription revenues, not, you know, not piece by piece revenues that has extremely high margins, has an incremental sale cost of basically nothing. Gee, what does that sound like, Lindsay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> well real quick, though, you know, we had Jim Bianco on Buy, Hold, Sell, and he did bring up a very good point that here you're mentioning, Toby, about people that are flying into your town and then they're going to be flying out to all these great cities you know, for vacations. And Jim brought that up to us where he said, look, you have this baby boomer generation that is retiring, but they're the ones that are actually going out spending money that is holding up the economy. And we could talk about Taylornomics all we want. But I mean, and it's great that she's going to move the needle. 
needle, but that's really short term. Really going forward long term, and this goes back to reinforce what Lindsay was saying earlier with the consumer, is that you still have this consumer-generated type of economy. The consumer continues to show that, hey, they do have some cash. They might not have the ability to, to access credit, but they are out there spending. And that is that's the C. It's helping on that GDP number yeah, that's, but boomers, that's pushing things boomers don't Boomers don't use credit. Boomers pay a credit card off. The issue yeah. on these auto loans is simply that, you know, when you used to buy a Ford 150 truck, and I don't know about you back in Pittsburgh, but when I bought the first one, it was $22,000. That same truck is $67,000. And, uh, you know, and the interest rates are at 7%, or excuse me, I mean, you know, for good, decent credit, 9%. For okay credit, 12%. Who's... Did, I didn't understand it. Did they not read the paper? You know, the people who underwrite those loans, didn't they see that interest rates were coming up and, and they priced based on the 10 year and blah, blah, blah. So we have pockets of stupidity uh, yeah. that, you know, are falling apart. But, but you know, economies, do. I would just go back and say the same thing that with 96 million getting a monthly check with 15,000 boomers turning 65 or 70 every day till 2020, excuse me, 2032. And, yeah. and we have a, the job, unless we go to Venezuela and capture three and a half million people and bring them in the United States, we're going to have an upside down demand versus supply that keeps people working. Um, you know, uh, so yeah. that's reality. And and what, what the bear case has always been, yeah, but you got to add up all these little incremental problems, you know, and once you add them all up, it suffocates the economy. Um, and yet yeah. it's not. And I, the reason it's not is because everybody's working who can work. Uh, and, you know, the, we have we have 14 million people here in the United States. I just saw somebody today that send money home to Venezuela, to Mexico, uh, yeah. to China, to et cetera, et cetera. The, Those people depend on are those people working. Um, so it's 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 still the strongest economy in the world for a reason. It's 74 percent consumer. So we're not like a manufacturing economy. Uh, and you can't have a recession unless the Fed actually has the stones to take the rates to Santelli yeah. land. Because um, then you would get incremental you know, uh, job firings, et cetera. But we have two and a half, three million jobs extra every freaking month. And um, you know, every place I go, there's a sign, particularly a restaurant, hiring, hiring, yeah. hiring, hiring. Yeah. The car wash I was at a couple of days ago. Right. So, come on, man. Right. And, well, and, and Jamie, yeah, I mean, and Jamie, uh, Jamie Diamond did say about that. He said, "Look, maybe there the banks should be ready for a seven percent ten year yield. I mean, you have to get the seven before you get the thirteen percent. You know, back to the Rick Santelli thing. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Lindsay, so on that we had, you know, and, and what Toby was talking about with uh, with you know the boomers that are traveling. The, the we saw the leisure and hospitality sector actually they actually increased ninety six thousand jobs last month. I mean, clearly." This is an area with the airlines, with the hotels, you know, uh, cruise ships. Is that an area that you have your eye on as far as maybe the airlines? Maybe this they're poised for a breakout? The, the airlines are difficult because they're such a trading mechanism, right? Um, and I think there was an analyst today that downgraded the whole sector, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think travel is going to slow. I'm with Tobin on that. Anytime I'm at the airport, the, the thing is packed. Uh, they're re here in Charlotte. They're just like many airports. They're completely uh, redoing them. So, you know, I think that the demand for the airlines is still there. I think oil prices that have been up over the last quarter is a struggle for them. Right. But 
but prices are coming back down, which helps the consumer. So I think there's some give and takes in, in that sector um, overall. But um, but I do think within the industrials, you just you just kind of have to to look around for the sectors that are going to. Okay, Lindsay, how about some names? How about some names? Do you know the names? I don't have any specific names. I'm not uh, a stock picker these days. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. If you would have told me to right. come prepared with names, I would have done that. <laughs> All right. Next time. Next time. Next, Next time, time I will do that. So are there any sectors that you would stay away from, though? Sectors that I would stay away from going into, into earnings season? Yeah. You know, I think the energy sector has had um, a big run going into the right. earnings season. Obviously, higher oil prices is benefits those those stocks very well. The oil price is very highly correlated to earnings, and we've actually seen earnings estimates yeah. move up, even though they're supposed to be negative for the quarter. So um, the valuations there have gotten a lot richer. So I think that there's a lot of there's just high expectations baked into the sector. So that's one sector that I'd probably um, avoid going into earnings season. The other sector, though, that I'm I'm a little bit curious to see. I don't know that I would jump into it before earnings, but I'm interested to watch to see how it performs is the financial services sector because they haven't quite caught up uh, to you know the the beginning of the year before the banking crisis had occurred. And what we had seen have seen though is that you know the IPO market is seemingly back open despite despite the downward trend in the in the S&P 500 that's kind of curious but investment banking is back up um and i think they have other other offsets um to the business so i, I it's just i think that's going to be a curious one to watch um and to also listen to uh because interest rates being this high definitely has certain impacts on their business and it depends yeah. on basically if you're you're you know asset heavy or light and things like that but um it's going yeah, i'm not big on the financial here simply because if you take the cost of funds and then you look at their at their book of business, they're doing, you know, the, the guys who can still, uh, Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade merge in a couple of weeks. And uh, TD Ameritrade was paying like 25 basis points on your cash. And Schwab, you know, has their SWFFF that pays five and a quarter. Well, there's, you know, these, the brokerages are, uh, people are not stupid now. And they're taking their money out of their cash account if they haven't, and they're putting it into, you know, a mutual fund where they make zero money. Um, and, um, you know, you got CDs here that were, are selling now at 7.5%. Um, and in, if you're selling a CD for 7.5%, but your average book of, of loans is paying 6.5%, you don't have to be a smart man to know that that's not really good. Uh, so I, I'd be very I'd be very picky in there. And then Goldman Sachs is a total dumpster fire for a variety of reasons. And, and, and you know, Jamie just likes to sort of just pour hot water on them all the time. Uh, but but their earnings, uh, yeah, they had they did some IPOs. They're all underwater. They're they're at least twenty percent down from where they want. And um, you know that's a flash in the pan. It offsets against uh, firing costs and you know blah blah blah. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, you know, here's where we're making a lot of money: uranium, uranium processors, uh, tankers, uh, LPG tankers. Um, you know, the Panama Canal is, uh, is water so low that there's now 75 tankers sitting on both sides, not delivering. So now you got to go around, you know, the Cape of Good Horn. You got to go to the Suez Canal to get to, to get uh, propane, particularly propane. Um, and we're making money in the AI beneficiaries that we didn't chase, but we bought them, you know, when they came back to, to the world. And we're up. I think our total portfolio is up 35 percent this year by being very, not sector, mini sector focused. And that's where I have found uh, opportunity, Todd. But it's it's the macro 
I could give you five reasons why it sucks, and I give you five reasons why it's not doesn't suck. You know, yeah. you put them all together, it's it's like in a lock. You know, it's like a hammer lock, right? But yeah. when, when I, my LPG tanker rates went from twenty eight thousand a day to fifty six thousand dollars a day, and then they get leased out for two years, and I'm getting twenty five percent, twenty eight percent dividends. What do I give a crap about what Jamie Diamond says? Right. <laughs> and dividends in a shitty market, you know, that's a technical yeah. term. In, in, a, in, a, in a go nowhere market, what makes a difference, I've done this for a long time, is dividends. And uh, so we, we're, getting, we're getting huge dividends out of, out of you know, these bulk shippers, LPG shippers. Um, and you know, I'm talking about 38% dividends because the old days, in shipping was the guy's name was Greek, Namalopolis. And as soon as he started making money, he went out and bought a whole bunch of more boats. So when he went to the Greek club in, you know, Cyprus, he could say, look me, I have five, five new boats, right? So they would just buy more boats and then they'll sink the whole freaking ship, pardon the yeah. pun. Then the whole ship, sinking ship would go to shit. And then they'd give those boats back or they'd sell them for scrap. And it, the circle was just like this. It ain't that way anymore. The okay. young, the kids took over the businesses. They, they've seen their dads, you know, go cray cray. Dad's on third wife anyway, so he didn't like them very yeah. much. And they, um, they are making money, and they, they, they distribute eighty five percent of their cash flow. Now, that's a good place to hide, in my opinion, yeah. Mister Schoenberg. That is, that's amazing. That's amazing. All right, well, that's great, Lindsay. Any final words uh, before we close out the show as we do go into earnings season? Go Steelers. Go, oh, sorry. <laughs> Go Steelers. And I think it's just, I think it's going to be a better earning season than people expect. Okay. I like that. This is some great final words. Well, all right. Well, we do have a Get big match. Thumbnail. What's that? that thumbnail. So we put that out. That's right. You got that right. And we do have the Ravens and the Steelers, Lindsay Steelers. My Ravens are playing this Sunday and my Baltimore Orioles are facing the Texas Rangers in the first game of the next round of the playoffs. So it's a lot of optimism to, to look to go out there. So we got a lot to look forward to. All right, guys. So listen, on behalf of Lindsay Bell, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. Can't thank you enough. Really like to have you back and especially as we get past earnings season and see, uh, see if the, the forecast actually holds up and, and we'll see. Uh, uh, we'll go from there then, but that that's great. So uh, so on behalf of Lindsey Bell at 248 Ventures and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you once again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. Take care. Buy, Hold, Sell brought to you by Crosscheck Management. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.